This is a News Laundry podcast and you're listening to Reporters Without Orders. Order, order. Hello and welcome to Reporters Without Orders, a podcast where we talk about what made news, what didn't and some things that absolutely shouldn't have. For almost two weeks or more, Tripura has been in the news. Reports of temples and mosques and communal violence has been circulating on social media. Uh, now, Tripura on all three sides has Bangladesh and is connected to Assam by a thin strip, if I'm right. And on October 15th, uh, there was a Durga Puja uh, celebration that happened also in Bangladesh, where several temples were supposedly vandalized. Now, there were videos of the Quran being placed in front of the idol, which went viral. And in the days ahead, Hindus were attacked and Hindus are uh, a minority in Bangladesh. And it was to protest this violence that Tripura sort of erupted. And since late October, multiple rallies were taken out uh, by the Hindu community in Tripura. Uh, Now, there have been so many different developments in this particular incident and multiple other incidents that followed uh, these incidents. And for that, we have with us to explain to us what exactly happened. My colleague, Ayush Tiwari, he'd been there for a few days and we'll talk about why he went and why he's back. But first, uh, welcome Ayush. Hi Nidhi and hi to all our listeners. So Ayush, can you tell me why exactly we felt the need that you have to go to Tripura? And how long were you there for? So I was there for a week. I left on the Tuesday and I came back uh, on a Tuesday. And we went there simply because with the exception of a couple of media outlets, I think the BBC was one and uh, Al Jazeera say, not a lot of attention was paid to Tripura, even though there were mentions of what was happening there in these international media outlets. And Northeast generally is deprived of good ground reporting. Uh, I think, you know, that's something that is very settled and journalists believe that. So we thought uh, it was since we stress so much on how we focus on ground reporting, it will be only fair that we also go there and see what's happening. And one of the primary reasons also was that the Tipra police was denying that a lot of information coming out of the state. So that was a great temptation to go and check out for yourself and see how truthful these statements from the police were. And before we go into what all has happened there, what was your first impression when you landed there? When you reached there, was there visible tension or was it fairly peaceful until you got to the places of violence? Uh, It was peaceful throughout, but it was the sort of peace that was uh, unsettling. And there was some tension and, uh, you know, people were not, you know, in their best moods. They were in despair, most of them. And I was talking to a lot of uh, Muslim uh, people in Tripura because they were the, you know, targets of these attacks that happened. Uh, But I remember when I flew in there, the one thing that struck me most was that uh, I know Agartala is the capital, but I didn't know it was a border city in the state. And the airport there actually shares a border with Bangladesh. So when I was landing there, I could see uh, Agartala on one side, which is like an urbanity. And then there was a grey line passing through from the sky and on the other side were these green fields and that was Bangladesh. So I I had no idea that, you know, uh, there could be a border city like that. But a few years ago, I read a book on Bangladesh and I remember reading descriptions of it. There are these green rice fields and Tripura is exactly the same. It used to be part of the Bengal. It just used to be reigned by, ruled by a different dynasty that seceded to the Union of India. But in all aspects, it's slightly different from the most of the Northeast, which is hilly and um, you know a lot of tribal culture but Tripura is a lot more Bengali than Mm. most of these uh, seven sisters. Right let's start with uh, something that you touched upon in your first report and largely 
what it is about. So in it, you start with describing this 20 second video clip that was circulated on social media. So I'll just kind of let you explain what is it that we see in this 20 second video clip for listeners who have not seen it. And then also explain what's there in the second extended uh, video clip that you talk about in your report. Right. So that video clip shows that VHP rally, which took a route in this town called Panisagar in the North Tripura district, that district that borders Assam. And there are few men, but one man in that video is wearing a, a yellowish headband. And he has the mic and he's raising the slogan in the 22 second video. I don't know if I want to say that slogan, but it's very derogatory to the Prophet, to Prophet yeah. Muhammad. And when you see the other video, the same man in that same position, it's basically the same video, but that's longer. But this time, this man in that video, he's not raising those slogans on about the Prophet, but he's raising slogans in Bangla about how Hindus should unite and how militants, we should break their hands and squish their fingers and Sheikh Hasina, who's the Prime Minister of Bangladesh, hi, hi, Sheikh Hasina, hi, hi. So it's the same video with two different audios. And uh, in Pani Sagar, after the violence, depending on who you are is what version you believe. And I've described in my story that most Muslims believe that the version with uh, slogans about the Prophet, they say that's the real one. But the Hindus there who are associated with the Sangh say it's actually the Bangla slogan video that is more genuine. And if I'm right, the violence in Bangladesh has subsided, right? I mean, Sheikh Hasina has also come out and given a strict warning. They've made arrests from both sides of the communities. And I believe it's subsided as of now. Yeah, I'm not seeing reports uh, as much as we were seeing a month ago. I think right. today is 17th of November. So, uh, But yes, I I'm honestly haven't followed a lot what's happening in Bangladesh. But yes, that's the report we're getting that she's cracked down on the people who attacked the minorities there. Yeah. Right. And before I go on to what all you spoke to this one person who was in the rally, can you tell me a little bit about what the police has been saying? Why has there been this complete attitude of denial that they've just been saying it could have been natural causes, it could have been multiple different things and and not really accepting that there might be violence in Tripura? Uh, I think that's some sort of a pattern that we've observed in the last few years is that any news or any development that somehow puts the administration or the police on the back foot, the communication strategy, the media strategy is always to deny it. I mean, you were in Hathras and despite what uh, victims told you, eyewitnesses told you, in the end, the, the state government was telling us, you know, giving us absolute denials. And I think this is something I've noticed among BJP governments in India is that the first strategy is to deny and that I think was the same strategy. They, of course, uh, personally, I spoke to some one senior police officer who told me off record that a lot of denials were issued so that there is no breach of peace more than what happened so that it doesn't spiral out of control. Right. So, I mean, if there is news of mosque being vandalized and Quran being desecrated, that can travel across the border in Bangladesh and that can have certain repercussions. Um, so his idea was that. But then, as you know, I found out that a lot of that denial came at the expense of truth and that some of these statements were just not true. So that that's the police's position. Actually, the police has still taken more skillful route of putting out statements. So they 
give very cleverly worded statements so they'll say there was no mosque that was burned down during the pani sagar incident so the, the wording is burnt down but there were a mosque was vandalized and right. a mosque was also burnt down 5 days before the pani sagar incident so when they say that pani sagar incident they rule that out but the mha the ministry of home affairs the union ministry 3 days ago issued a denial which said there has been no mosque that has been burnt down or vandalized in tripura in recent history which is a blanket yeah. falsehood as far as i've concerned as, as far as what i've seen on the ground so i like to believe it's a bit of both it's a strategy it's also a way of trying to not let it spiral out of control when the police have also said that they want to fight rumor mongering right yeah. um how much of that did you actually experience on ground or what you saw on social media was it exactly what was happening on ground or was there also some truth to the fact that there was rumor mongering well there is always rumor mongering in these incidents because if you're a local living in some village in tripura where shops have been burnt in the village you live a mosque has been attacked the incidents coming from other parts of the state where which you have not visited will always be amplified and people yeah. would always tend to believe we are a more exaggerated version of what actually might have happened there but there was none of the sort of rumor mongering we saw during the delhi riots where people said that oh don't go that side like 22 people have been killed there alone on that night it was not that level i mean people yeah. believe that at other places violence has occurred but none of it was plainly untrue it was a degree of rumor mongering which is not as on the scale of what we'd say on a delhi riots but yes to an extent people were believing exaggerated information about the violence so i know they imposed section 144 but was the internet also snapped at any point not when i was there no I don't think but and even 144 wasn't enforced except four people who've been arrested now uh, actually they've been arrested I think on 4th of November and they're still in jail there four members of a muslim organization from delhi and up had visited and because they had made some video at a mosque that had been burned down they've been arrested under one of the sections cited as 144 but besides that I don't think there was any difficulty in that sense in bani sagar or any of the places in north tripura that I visited Now let's talk about your first report. Ayush's first report uh, was titled "Meet Ranu Das, BJP Youth Wing Leader at the Center of Tripura Violence." When I read your report, he clearly comes across as a fairly interesting character. He's had a history to this particular moment that's occurred. So tell me, who is Ranu Das, and why is he in the news, and why did you have to end up speaking to him on the phone and instead of meeting him while you were in Tripura? He's a 29-year-old member born and brought up in the Sangh Parivar. He joined the Bajrang Dal when he was 24, which is in around end of 2016, and then he went to the Vishwa Hindu Parishad, and now he's part of the BJP. Actually, he's a part of the BJP's youth wing, which is the Bharatiya Janata Yuva Morcha. and we had to speak to him over the phone because there's an fir against him and uh, he's fleeing arrest but um, he told me that he's evading arrest and he does not want to be taken in, into custody by the police and i first went and met his elder brother they actually come from a political family in pani sagar which is uh, you know even though in the stories i've said it's a town but it's just a settlement around a main highway and it's a very beautiful little settlement it probably stretches at least a kilometer and a half and they come from that town and his uh, father used to be the pradhan when pani sagar was just a small village outside dharmnagar that is the main city of that district his elder brother who i met used to be a congress worker then he joined the bjp around the time ranu joined the sang parivar also 
people i spoke to told me that uh, he, they are known as a you know prominent political family from that area and ranu was also big cricketer when i spoke to him he said he was part of the north tripura district cricket team at one point and he studied in the mainland he studied engineering in jaipur and because of that i think uh, in tripura if you go to the main part of the country and you study there you are seen as like oh he's really educated and uh, last i checked he's still not been arrested and he has several sections on him he has intentional insult to commit breach of peace criminal conspiracy um, i mean these are non bailable serious offenses And Ramadas is the guy in the video who's raising these slogans. Yes, he's the guy who um there are two audios being associated with him in those two videos that we discussed. Yes. So when you spoke to him in your story you say that you know he has two two theories about what really happened. Does he admit to being there and saying these things or is he completely denying his presence at all there? No, he's not denying his presence at all. I mean, he's saying that the rally that the VHP took out is what devolved into violence. He says as much. He said yeah. that the mosque was vandalized. There's a village called Chamtela outside Panisagar which was stoned. And I went there and it's pretty you know very bad state and uh, just a kilometer ahead there's a bazaar called rawa bazaar where two shops were burnt down and he said yes that this they were burnt down but his idea for example when it comes to the mosque he said that mosque was vandalized not by vhp workers in the rally but because of these cpim workers who had infiltrated so even his brother's idea was that you know uh the muslims they always stand behind one party but hindus are divided they'll vote for congress they'll vote for bjp they'll vote for cpim so when that vhp rally had happened all hindus had joined despite their political affiliation and it's only the cpim workers ranu said who stoned the mosque so that's a very neat way of disassociating himself and his organization uh mm-hmm. when i asked him about the two shops in rawa bazaar that were gutted his idea there was that when he was getting to the bazaar there's a mosque there um there was some provocative sloganeering from that mosque that they shouted allahu akbar and the muslims there came out stood outside the mosque with these um, you know knives they're not knives but they are like um, sickles actually and that was provocative and that's why you know he said ki agar 5000 log ki rally hoti hai to at least few of them will get out of hand and do something that no one likes uh, so basically his theories were that cpim workers at one point at the other point the muslims provoked them um uh, which was i found out not really true because when people in that area knew that okay a rally is going to come they had anticipated that yes now something bad will happen mostly the muslim villagers have you seen a rally of this scale before I'm not sure. I mean, they haven't seen an incident of a communal nature in, of this scale before. It actually shows a fairly large group of people. Yeah, it's between five to seven thousand people. But the last time a mosque was attacked in that area was during 1992 when the Babri Masjid was demolished. And so most people who are you know 27, 28 wouldn't even remember it. But when I was on the ground, a lot of people had told me that they had anticipated that something might happen. They had reached out to the local police station, and the police station there had. put eight crpf men outside this one mosque to protect it from 7000 people and of course that didn't not happen 
but every eyewitness i spoke to and there were few several quoted in my story said that it were vhp workers who eventually attacked the shops and the mosque and that that um, there was no information about people from the cpim participating infiltrating something of that sort but uh, ranu was there people told me that ranu was part of that rally but he did not participate in the violence so the police have so far arrested four people and uh, ranu is not one of them but i think what ranu told me that two of them are from the vhp and one from the bjp the fourth one i'm not sure so no cpm workers have been arrested so far so what his claim is seems to be untenable and has the police responded to why they were so unprepared for this rally was it also a rally that they had to take police permission for i'm not sure but usually yes the procedure is that you take permission but what from what i've recall i can't remember where i read it but yes that they had asked for permission and they got the permission for the rally from the police and yet, even though knowing the scale of the protest the police only had eight yeah. police security personnel yes 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 and have you at any point questioned the police in your reports or asked them why they were so less prepared is this something they didn't anticipate they now say that i mean i spoke to the a senior police officer after every all this happened and his response for it was exactly that that they didn't anticipate that it would get out of hand and the usual excuse is that you know the the hindus and muslims in that part of the country have not had a very traumatic history you know let's say compared to up or bihar that is actually true the politics in tripura is mainly divided along the line of sometimes tribal versus non tribal hindu versus muslim is not an axis of say wo darar nahi hai wahan ki rajneeti mein so they were saying ki we did not expect they did not see this coming because here we don't have a history of all that but yeah it happened so just out of curiosity to digress a little bit i'm also wondering you know we had i think it was a year or two ago when the issue of rohingya muslims had come up right that mm. a lot of muslims from bangladesh were coming in mm. um and they're all rohingya community and they should be asked to leave and things like that has that ever been an issue in tripura considering their proximity to bangladesh i haven't actually i i haven't but rohingya muslims come from myanmar right from myanmar but a lot of bangladeshi muslims right. were then termed as rohingya muslims yeah right so not in in north tripura at least i think i went my entire 7 days of reporting without ever hearing about rohingyas uh, oh. it's not so much of an issue the muslim families there have settled there since generations you know and a lot of them actually over the last 4 or 5 de- decades have moved to bangladesh so pani sagar for example used to be a majority muslim town at one point it had more muslims than hindus but uh, people i spoke to there you know people who are in their 40s and 50s said a lot of migration has happened over the decades especially in the late 80s and during the babri masjid controversy people moved to the other side of the border but none of them have anything to do with the rohingyas as such and so coming back to this incident how have the political parties responded what exactly has been the stance of bjp has it shifted what has the cpim said and i think there's also a new party right tripura democratic front in the state so what what have been their different stances to be honest on the ground i don't see a lot of political let's say the again let's bring over delhi riots where delegations of political parties would go and visit the victims rahul gandhi went you know derek o'brien went there uh, there was no such um, inkling of people coming down and pe- meeting others 
happening there as such and cpim actually was releasing statements saying uh, you know against uh, the bjp saying that it's trying to disturb the sang parivar trying to disturb the communal harmony and etc but i didn't see them on the ground even on the day i was leaving the tmc mamta banerjee and abhishek banerjee were supposed to conduct a press conference in agartala i am not sure if they went to pani sagar which is on the other side of tripura i mean so agartala is on the west of the district west end of the district and pani sagar is on the east end uh, at least 200 kilometers away um so most of the political conversation was actually not present on the ground as such as, so for example say in gomati district where i went where another mosque was vandalized we don't know who did it we we can't say it's the vhp or the bjp but it happened in the context of all this you know targeting of muslims so there the muslim head of the village was a member of the bhartiya janata party and he said that the local bjp had said that they'll work to get reinstate that mosque that they'll put in money and that mosque will be rebuilt and most of these mosques in tripura are actually made out of tin they are not mosques the way we see here the houses don't have solid roofs they have asbestos that's how most of these structures there are so they've said they'll build it up and all but on the ground that is um, the politics you kind of see uh, even though the tmc has been trying to enter tripura politics they've trying to take away the cpim votes it's not much of a presence from what i could see one cpim district leader's house was vandalized by the vhp near pani sagar on 21st of october but he said he was targeted because it was political violence not religious violence and tripura generally has more political violence than religious so political violence is more prominent there but as such politics in the recent incident was i think limited to what people were the press releases and you saw it in the media on the ground i didn't see any leaders uh, coming showing meeting or talking you know just uh, flourishing rhetoric and what about people on ground like it's interesting you say that it, i mean it is a largely muslim state in many in many ways and they, and bjp has been in power i think to, since 2018 it's not a largely muslim state it's a largely hindu state the muslims in tripura are 9% which is below the national average now on saturday the the police lodged a complaint the tripura police had lodged a complaint against two women journalists yeah. uh, from delhi samriddhi sakunia who's 21 and swarna ja who's yeah. 25 um, they work for an organization called hw network news network and independent news organizations and um, a day after the case was lodged they were actually detained by assam police ayush can you tell us a little bit about why were they detained what were the charges against them what have these young two young women journalists really done uh, for the tripura police to get so agitated well they've done journalism and i've been in touch with samriddhi since i went there and you know she helped me out with some contacts there and then i think two days after i was there she told me that she'd be there too and we were constantly talking you know keeping each other uh, updated about where we were and what we were doing and on saturday uh, night actually uh, she was in dharamnagar she had just reported on this mosque i was telling you about in gomati and she'd gone to dharamnagar and she called me saying that this police could been calling her since 7:30 in the evening and that she was nervous about it and at 10:30 she sent me a picture of these policemen standing at the reception of a hotel so i just told her ki you know do you make sure that whatever they ask you to do that crosses a boundary you know taking your notebook or taking your phone just tell them no 
or if they want to ask you what kind of work are you doing just say that i can't divulge that sort of information and i went to sleep and at 5:30 in the morning i, I woke up and there was a call and sabriddi it was sabriddi again and she had said ki the police have um, actually been here since 5:30 we, we were trying to check out early in the morning but they are still here now they were outside the hotel now they've been inside and they've like sort of limited our access to the rest of the space we've been restricted into a hotel and that's where i thought okay now i should start filing the story and she was sending me voice notes constantly giving me updates giving me a quote and and she sent me the fir and everything so i used that information to file a story and if you look at the fir that has been filed against her it's the same fir that is being filed against anyone who is countering the police version that is 120b criminal criminal conspiracy 153 breach of peace 504 the second fir that has been filed them goes ahead it uh, it adds sections like 190 i think which is destruction of evidence so basically what they are targeting the two journalists for is that when they went on the ground in gomati first and then in pani sagar they were tweeting out the conversations they've had with witnesses there and that involved writing tweeting that the mosque had burned down and that the quran sharif in the mosque had burned down and i think that's what gets tripura police's goat is that you can't say that a mosque has been burned down you can't say that a quran has been burned down and these these two were tweeting this out and they were also giving out their real time location while they were doing that right so tripura police knew their claims and they knew where they were and they just reached their hotel and that's the hotel where i had also stayed two days ago and i had told samriddhi that you should probably check out this place when you come here and next day i learned that they've been detained they were going to silchar from tripura to assam and in karimganj they were uh, detained by the at the request of the tripura police the sp there told me that they'd been given a written request and they also wanted a transit remand that is they wanted to take them back but now this was because of a second fir that was because the first report they had done at gomati uh, which is just outside agartala they had said that a mosque had burnt down and a quran sharif had burnt down same two things and they tweeted this out also and they also filed a story but they looked at the twitter i think they are more scared by twitter than by say the website where the which is posting the report they got the transit remand next day november 15 they were arrested and they were taken back uh, to gomati where they were produced before a magistrate's court and now they are out on bail i don't know what the conditions of the bail are whether they can leave the state or what i think the bond was 75000 rupees but it's basically for tweeting out these inf- this information and samriddhi has actually been uh, leading this um, information campaign on twitter even before she was in tripura say 24th october she was tweeting out if you go to her timeline ki here there's been violence here there's been violence and i think they they when she was there people who've been following her realize oh avaya ut pahad ke niche now she's actually here she's not in delhi that's when the one person who's filed a complaint i've learned that he's from the vhp even though i haven't been able to get in touch but that fir the first one fir filed in north tripura says that she maligned the vhp and the tripura government so that is the basic history of the case it's i was talking to someone in canada and they were telling me that the canadian broadcasting corporation in their bulletin had announced this that two journalists in india were arrested in tripura so it's something very serious and something definitely taken serious on an international stage but in tripura it's i think business as usual because they've been booking people for uap which is an anti terror law
which is what I was coming to. But before that, I just like apart from the detention itself being quite uh, disturbing, the method of that detention was quite, uh, from what I read in your story that they weren't, if I'm right, they weren't immediately given access to legal counsel. They they weren't enough women security personnel where they were. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, both of us have watched Impeachment, right? That Monica Lewinsky series. Yeah. And you know, the last two, three episodes where when she asks them, can I have, can I reach out to my lawyer and says, yeah, you can, but you won't need to. And exactly what happened to them, what she was telling me that when she said, I need access to my lawyers, the police told them that you don't need to, you know, reach out to your lawyers, which is, I mean, pathetic because the constitution guarantees that you have always have right to legal aid. And um, I think of the 15, 16 people that surrounded her, the police personnel and the CRPF, only three were female. And these are, you know, they are very young. Somebody is 21. Swarna, who is, I think, the Hindi correspondent for HW News, she's 24. So the, these are, uh, you know, young women. Uh, and there's the CRPC, the criminal procedure code specifically says that you cannot be detained or arrested after sunset. But that's yeah. what exactly happened to them in Assam. You know, they were detained. They, I mean, they were brought to the police station at 3.30. But right. they were kept there all night. I mean, at, and they were arrested at one almost 1 a.m. at night, which is was blatantly violates any you know uh, understanding of law so that that is on the police and i hope they are held accountable in the coming days that their the lawyer actually holds them to you know shows them a mirror that what they did was pathetically illegal uh and yeah that is the sad story of these two young journalists and Samriti and Swarna were not the only journalists who were intimidated. I mean, from what I understand, reporters, they've been booked with multiple charges, including UAPA. Even Supreme Court lawyers have been uh, booked, from what I understand. Can you tell us who, who they are and what exactly is happening? I mean, how far is Tripura police going to go with this? So, yes, they've booked um, at least one Supreme Court lawyer and the other lawyer is from the People's Union for Civil Liberties, which is a pretty uh, reputed organization in Delhi. And um, I know at least one other journalist, he's from um, India Tomorrow, who I think when he was here in October or early November was detained by the West uh, Agartala police. And he was kept there and questioned for two hours about the kind of story he he's done, who, who he who he is, why he's here, what's his father's name, things like that. And he actually missed his train because of all that questioning and he had to go back. He couldn't do groundwork. Uh, I know another journalist who works with a mainstream organization who was followed by the police. I was followed by the police on my last day, you know, when I was in Gomati. They were, when I went there to the mosque to see what has happened, the SHO showed up, then the STPO showed up and they're like, please positive news this is not even a mosque this is a prayer hall and uh, even though the FIR they filed in the case says that it's a mosque um, and uh, the men were con- continuously trying to come close to the villagers who I was trying to interview and I've been told that earlier it was even way worse because two weeks before I came they were actively discouraging people from giving video interviews so it, it's that sort of climate there which is not very conducive to you know reporting and that's, I think, just tragic. 
And you know, I saw um, you put up a small post on Instagram a few days ago, uh, where people have people were messaging you, asking you to stay safe and you know not get arrested. Yeah. Um, and I'm I'm asking because you know when you're when you're doing when you're there and you're doing your job, and then you see your own contemporaries and people you've been working along with and speaking to um, face so much intimidation for doing the job that you're all doing together. Yeah. Um, what? goes through the mind and i ask this for listeners what i want um, you to explain what goes through the mind of a reporter you know you're doing your job but you're being intimidated for doing it yeah what toll does that take on you how does it affect uh, your work on ground um well it, it makes you very paranoid even though it gives some sort of thrill to the work you're doing it also makes you very paranoid and anxious um you know i was supposed to be in tripura for longer than i actually ended up being and the reason for that is simple is because these two journalists were arrested and we did not want me to go through the same thing and i'm going to file a report that will go two steps ahead of what samriddhi and uh, you know swarna were reporting and i knew that if i were to file that report while being in tripura i can be at risk that they can do the same to me because i'll make the same claims you know uh, make the same assertions in fact when i was in gomati and i had i was leaving that uh, mosque and i just learned again that even the gomati police had booked them and that's why they were detained in assam and i got very paranoid thinking okay the police has just met me they've seen my car they've seen the car number what will happen now and as we were driving back to agartala at one point there's this police car uh, honking behind us and it was trying to find a way to get ahead and when it when it got ahead two constable you know they gave their hands ki ruko ruko and for a moment i thought okay this is it they've come for me i'm getting going getting detained but they were actually just saying ki you know drive slowly to my driver but in that moment i was very paranoid paranoid enough to think okay that this is it and um, that that was making me very paranoid my driver wanted to stop somewhere have tea because he was also tired and i was like no no just drive back to the city i i want to be in my hotel so it, it made me very anxious and um, you know then i had to think about what i was doing what i was uh, where i was going at least two or three times i was telling my receptionist at the hotel that i'm just going out to get a chocolate bar just some as something as simple as that i was telling manisha and raman that you know i'll be here here's the location here's the contact of my driver it does get to you and it makes working as a journalist a little bit more difficult but then it also in a way strengthens your resolve you know because um now because i'm so annoyed that i had to come back because of the tripura police to delhi way before i was supposed to i i feel like uh, you know reporting on it more aggressively um so i hope uh, nothing happens still because people who came back to delhi still got uapa on them but we still try to speak to all sides you know we speak to the police before we publish our story we get their version all stories have that so it will be very unfair for them to treat us that way but i think that's the sign of the times thank you ayush thank you for doing what you do and thank you for doing it so diligently and fearlessly um listeners if we were able to send ayush uh, to tripura and also bring him back safely because of subscribers like you and others who've had such consistent faith in us and if you believe that this was useful and that ayush's work is good please go to our website newslaundry.com go to the top right hand corner and click subscribe uh, before i let you go ayush uh, do you have any recommendations for us were you able to read anything at all while you were in tripura or watch anything 
नो आई वॉज इन आई ओनली वॉच द ऑस्ट्रेलिया वर्सेज न्यूजीलैंड फाइनल बट आई एक्चुअली आई मीन इन टर्म्स ऑफ रिपोर्टिंग आई वॉन्ट टू रेकमेंड समथिंग द ऑल्ट न्यूज डिड यू नो ब्रिलियंट सीरीज ऑफ फैक्ट चेक्स ऑन त्रिपुरा वायलेंस एंड एट नो पॉइंट वॉज एनी ऑफ देयर कॉरस्पॉन्डेंस ऑन द ग्राउंड सो इट वॉज सॉर्ट ऑफ अमेजिंग दैट दे कुड डू एट नाइन स्टोरीज फैक्ट चेकिंग यू नो थ्री फोर रिपोर्टर्स सिटिंग फार एज फार बैक इज इन गुजरात और बैंगलोर सो इफ यू जस्ट गो टू दी ऑल्ट न्यूज वेबसाइट एंड पुट त्रिपुरा इन द सर्च बॉक्स यू कैन सी दो स्टोरीज एंड आई थिंक यू शुड रीड दो स्टोरीज एंड आई नो पीपल you know i've been talking to people and they say that oh there's not much clarity on what's happening in tripura but i think you when you read alt news or when you read our reports at news zondri i mean i you will get a clear picture enough to separate the wheat from the chaff that what is happening has been diligently covered by few media outlets so the alt news series is what i recommend i think it's quite funny that you know a lot of times it's happened i remember even when shivangi and i were in lakhimpur yeah uh people sort of lose interest after a few days because there's so much lack of clarity and it seems like you know it's up to us journalists and reporters to bring that clarity mm. and bring the nuance which really seems like a strategy employed uh, to confuse people for and it's it's exactly for this that the police doesn't come out with any clarity neither do politicians there right. so it just becomes such a cluster of information yeah that even for us to weed through it and bring it out takes some time Yeah, and you know our own peers in this industry. I mean, the mainstream media, the television media, or at least sections of it, they also play a huge role in confusing the viewers. Because what I was seeing on the ground versus what they were saying from their studios was so different and so skewed. What I mean, what they were reporting was so skewed and so far from the truth. So I mean, our own peers, our own industry is also to blame for this, and that people who are supposed to make it. Things simple for the public are end up, you know, they part of the same views to confuse, as you said. Yeah. Yeah. And okay, so my recommendation this week is uh, two things. One, definitely Ayush's reports. I I specifically like liked the Ram uh, Ranu Das report because you don't just speak of him as someone who's in that clip. You don't reduce him to the person in the clip. I think it was interesting that you. that you go back to find out what led to that moment and you find this very human person and of course he's done some terrible things if he's done it but we kind of get a story of why also uh, right. that ended up happening i thought that was really interesting and uh, the other um, a book that i recently read which i thought was also really interesting along similar lines was josie joseph's book uh, the silent coup i thought it was um, it was also inspiring to i got the sense that he was a reporter who just put his head down and did his job and he did it again and again and again every day um and that is reflected so clearly in this book uh so those are the two of my recommendations and listeners we want to really improve this podcast i think most of us reporters this is the first time we're doing a podcast uh, writing a podcast script or figuring out even how to talk to each other on this platform so if you have any suggestions or you think we can improve in any way please do write to us at contact@newsroundry.com uh and we'll be happy to uh, make this a better experience for you and listeners remember if you're listening to this podcast on spotify or apple podcast we also have a website newslaundry.com and that website has a podcast player which has very cool features uh, so do head over to the website check out the podcast uh, player and also see the other stuff that we do like original reportage satire interviews i hope you have fun and with that uh, this podcast is adjourned all the news laundry podcasts are available on stitcher itunes and any other podcast platform please subscribe to news laundry 
help us keep news independent to catch all our podcasts on news pop culture current affairs and sport visit newslaundry.com follow us on facebook twitter and instagram and subscribe to our youtube channel